In, in lightning. Inspirational. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with, with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. And Lakeshe Nadira, she's the Empress who tells it like it is. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome to Conversations with the Royal Empress. I am Dr. Hakima, and joining me is my sister from another mother and fellow co-host, Akila. Today, we are joined by guest co-host, Andrea Little Mason, aka Dr. Dula. There has been this growing movement in this country where women are being asked to give up their wounds, i.e. meaning donated, etc. But do we really understand the importance and spiritual connection of our womb? Today's topic, the importance of the womb and should I donate it to a woman in need? This is really gonna be an interesting topic that I think before we ask you any questions, Andrea, we should at least read your bio and let people know who you are. Okay. Andrea Little Mason, EDD, affectionately known as Dr. Dula, is an educator, scholar, researcher, advocate, and legacy builder who uses her expertise to promote resourcefulness in families during the childbearing years. As an influencer and thought leader in birth culture, she focuses on birth mentoring through Sankofa Birth Ambassadors while encouraging African-American women to reclaim their birthrights by embracing the best of what African-American birth, her story, has to offer and helping build connections through the Africa to the Diaspora Birth and Postpartum Project. She has also established Daughters of the African Diaspora Alliance to bring together and showcase women of the African Diaspora who are working to preserve, protect, and promote sacred paths. Dr. Dula uses opportunities for international travel and speaking to expand her global knowledge of indigenous women's birth practices and share those insights with others. Girl. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that is Dr. Dula. <laughs> hey. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for um, allowing me to be here to talk with you all about this topic. Very interesting. We appreciate you being here. And I know you probably have so much to say about what we're discussing and why is there this big push, you think, for women to let go of something so sacred as our wounds? You know, I think that at the core of things, um, uh, the efforts that women have made to you know, find their freedom, uh, those who are, who have been uh, very strong in, in, in certain movements, empowering women, um, often they're choosing to become more like men. So things like your menstrual cycle is a nuisance. It's a nuisance. It's a bother. And those male dominated spaces don't always accommodate a menstrual cycle. They don't accommodate the challenges that women might deal with. They don't even accommodate birth or, or, or pregnancy or anything like that. And so I think that along the way, there's just been a devaluing of the womb, of the uterus, of, of what that brings to our lives. Um, aside from the fact that people aren't even thinking about the physical challenges that come with removing your womb as well. 
like early menopause. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with the with the with the um, if they leave the ovaries intact, which they usually do, um, unless there's a reason to remove the ovaries, then the women technically don't go into early menopause. But they're all other. They're different other things that happen. Um, for example, the support of the pelvic floor. You know, and when they can either remove, um, they can do a total hysterectomy where they take. Not, now, this is not for the transplant, but this is just in general, because I'm amazed that there are women that try to hold on to their uteruses. Like, I really want my, uteri my uterus, I want my uterus. And there are people saying, I'll let it go. And just the whole thought of letting go of a healthy organ, I think people don't really think about it. When, you, when they do that, you know, if you have a total hysterectomy, that's removal of the, 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 the uterus, the ovaries, as well as the cervix. But then there are times where the cervix, the cervix is left. There are times when the cervix and the uterus is removed. If they remove your uter, your uter, the ovaries, then they are going. You're going to go into menopause, <clears throat> and they already know that removing your ovaries causes uh, some kind of cardiac problems. The the uterus and the female reproductive organs are not just for baby making. They are not just for that they actually they found there's a connection between your uterus and brain function with women so there are so many reasons even before we get to the spiritual context of it there's so many physical reasons when you remove the uterus and the cervix they have to find a place to to reconnect the the vagina the lead that leads up to the cervix they have to find a place to connect it. And then there are women that deal with prolapse. So now bladder or rectal, you know, rectum, things begin to shift and move in that space that's left. So that's just without even thinking about, I want to donate my uterus. That's just caring about having a uterus in the first place. You know, there are some women that have no complications. There are a lot of women that do. You know, that was very interesting. <laughs> you just, that, that blew me away when you said the, the you talked about the, the womb and how it's connected to, to various parts of the body. That blew me away, but it just made me think about, I read something about the womb. I think the site is called Sacred Womb, and they were talking about how the womb is the, the seat of power for the woman. And it's just, when you said that, it just made me say, Dang, you just, I never thought about removal of, my uterus and how that would affect different parts of my body. That was just a very profound um, statement and really come into a realization or the actualization of how powerful the womb is and how so connected to the rest of the body that it is. I mean, the, the ovaries, they, they have something to do with the, the actual neural structure in our brain. They're just now starting to investigate how the womb is connected to the brain. They're like, wait, wait, wait. I, we think this might be connected to brain function. This is, this is still very new research. But many of us, you know, <laughs> when we're only walking in a space where we see the, you know, the challenges of, oh, you know, you know um, my cycle is this long and, and it's that long. And the whole goal of everything from the time you're in adolescence to an adult, a, a woman about to go into menopause is, you know, look, just, you know, try to deal with it. Try to deal with, you know, being a woman. It's, you know, try to deal with that. And then I've, I've heard doctors and women that said, they were like, you know, if you, you know, have you had babies? I had my own situation once. And they were like, how many kids you got? I'm like four. Ah, oh, that's great. You know, you're not looking to have any more, are you? Yeah, yeah, I can schedule you for not next month. I'm booked, you know. I'm, I'm booked next <laughs> month, you know. <laughs> wow. But I can get you in May. I can get you in May, you know. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's, it's a real thing. Um, medical science does not see a need for the uterus outside of carrying babies, period. They consider the, 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 the womb that is not pregnant um, the, the uterus that is not housing a baby to be a dormant womb. It is a dormant, it, as if it has no function. 
So then if you're not carrying a baby, it's dormant. That's what the medical profession sees. That's how they view that. Do you think that's just a Western medicine philosophy? I absolutely believe it's a Western okay. medicine philosophy. You know, it, just knowing what I know about how um, men were very dominant in, in the whole maternity care system and how it's been set up and what it does, I'm very, I'm very confident that it is a Western mentality about it. And, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, we have to, well, I don't tell people what they have to do, but I encourage people to consider things from a more holistic perspective. Um, like I said, we haven't even started talking about spiritual context yet, but the fact that, you know, there are simple things like teas and, and, um, and other herbs and things that can help us regulate this, 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 this organ in the body that is so powerful. And we're just like, ah, I don't want to drink a tea. Yeah. I just need, I just, I don't need this thing. I don't need it. I, and in fact, <laughs> when I asked the question, I saw the, an article that was talking about the transplant. Um, there were some very well thought out answers. Um, when I asked the question on my, on my um, Facebook page, would you consider donating your womb? There were some that were very thoughtful. And, and like, you know, my sister was born with this condition. I would gladly give her my womb. You know, they were very thoughtful, maybe two or three, but there were a lot of people saying they can have it. They can have it. Take it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just in shock. Have disconnected yeah. from their, yeah. from, from their womb. And they don't even understand. It's interesting that someone would say, Oh, I, even, even in the, in, in the example of saying that I will give it to my sister, why not just carry the baby for you? I and, was thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> that's too much work now. That's too, that's a lot of work now. It is, but, <laughs> but there, there, there's a reality, um, particularly, you know, because I do a lot of adoption work. So there's a reality that there are many women who cannot carry children for whatever reason. And so they mm -hmm. adopt, but they also, there's this thing called assisted reproductive technology and, a, exactly. and assisted repro reproductive therapies. So there are other ways. I mean, we talk about the in vitro, um, we talk about surrogacy and all of these things. So it would only make sense to me that why should I donate my womb when you can actually carry a baby for someone? We act as if, I mean, are they just pushing surrogate mothers out the way? And you know what I mean? I mean, so it, it, it just, it makes no sense to me. And I don't, there was a, um, I can't remember the article now, but they had, there was a, someone who had had the uh, transplant and then they didn't carry the baby to term. But then it's my understanding that somewhere they finally had a successful birth from the uterus transplant. But I believe it's only been one. Mm -hmm. That's what I researched as well. Um, I believe the first country that did it was Sweden. And so Sweden did it. I think they had how many, seven or eight attempts, maybe three or four successes or something like that. Um, here, there's only been one success out of the four attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, four attempts. So, okay. yeah, four attempts. But that's why they haven't, you don't see much as much about it because I think, I think. Um, and the thing about it is, um, I wondered that too about the surrogacy. Like, why in the world wouldn't, I used to honestly think that someone that was willing to carry a baby for them, that that was a huge sacrifice i was like what and i was meeting all these women they were like oh i've carried two babies for two different families what you know <laughs> and i'm like how do you explain it to your kids how do you explain it whatever and they they explain you know to their children that this this family's not able to have their own baby and mommy can and we're gonna take care of the baby in my belly and then we're gonna give them the baby and that's how they explain it to their children um but the the thing with the the transplant, I mean, of course, you also, 
you know, you're basically saying with the transplant, you're basically saying that there will be, the person will, will donate their, their uterus. Um, so they have pretty, they have the hysterectomy pretty much, but it's more delicate because they want to preserve all the vessels and everything. And then after that, the person will have the, will, will attempt to have babies with the uterus. Like I said, in this country, I believe it's only three, only one out of the four that, um, has worked. Um, but they only leave the uterus in the mother for one or two pregnancies and then they remove it. So she doesn't keep it for life. Um, she has, uses it to have the babies and then it's removed. Um, that's a lot. And they do that because of the anti-organ rejection drugs and stuff like that. They say they don't want, um, that the person, they don't want the person to have to stay on that drug forever. I do wonder what kind of research they did, however, about, uh, a person carrying a baby with those drugs and what that means. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been enough research in order to say what that, how that affects the baby. Um, knowing that something like that will pass through the baby's bloodstream and, and things like that. Uh, I don't think I, I heard from people when I posed the question that were very heartfelt and they were like, people want to know what it ha means to have a baby. But I go back to what we talked about before or mentioned before about just the value of the womb. And so there's this space in my mind. I think um, yes, there are some people that are born without the ability to birth. Um, some born without uteri, they don't have a uterus. But then there's also in my mind that this point of, it's amazing how sometimes, not always, sometimes people don't care about, I mean, where, where are the rites of passages that happen for our young girls that teaches them how to know their wombs, how to take care of their wombs? Where are those things? We start out, we start them out in life saying, you know, do what you want, girl, it's your body, you do what you want to do. And then by the time things go further along, there are so many more issues with fertility now than there ever were. And I just don't believe that it's not related to anything. I, I just can't. I, I, I'm floored by it. Um, like you said, there's, the womb has, has more to offer besides just physical reproduction. Um, the, and all in what you said, just the idea of carrying someone else's child or whatever, or just giving up the uterus so that someone else can use it. But we understand that the, the womb, that's the seat of our emotions. That's, that's like our own personal individual power that's where our pain goes how does that how can you remove the the uterus remove our womb and that not still be attached to it that's my question what are your concerns on that i know um i know women i mean because besides <laughs> besides c-sections hysterectomies the removal of the uterus is the most um performed uh, surgery on women. So first is C-sections. Second is hysterectomies. And um, one third of women, only about one third of women, if I'm not mistaken, I think I got it right. Only about one third of women um, or one in three women will experience a hysterectomy before they turn 60. And half of those are like before they're 50. Um, there is no real expectation that we will survive into our elder years with a uterus. There is no expectation of that. Um, there is no expectation that there, there is no thought that the uterus is important. And it really, I, I really believe that it is because we have adopted um, as black women, I will say, because that's what I deal with, that we've adopted the thought process, the way of thinking about our bodies, the way of thinking about our, our wombs. You know, I think of them, I think of the womb from a very spiritual place, but you know, I'm noticing more and more that people are very detached from that. Do not think about the, the womb in the sense of like, 
oh, you know, it's important or it's the seat of my emotions or, you know, uh, or anything like that. It's amazing. No, I ask questions a lot. And so I was like, so what would you tell a, a woman who is over 40? It was a question about being over 40 and want to have a baby. And how would you tell them to prepare? Because I know I have a lot of birth workers on my, on my face, Facebook friends. You know how many people didn't say, take this vitamin, take that. Most of them said, tell her to deal with all of her emotional baggage. Tell her to deal with all, tell her to do a, a, a cleanse and deal with her emotions. And I started asking them, why are you telling her to deal with these emotions? So many, so many recognize the connection between the emotions that we feel and so many womb issues that we have. There is a connection between who we are and people do not. So I'll say this because whenever you talk this, whenever you start talking about like, oh, the connection between the woman, well, what about the women that had hysterectomies? Are you saying they're not fully women? Well, what about the people that this, that, or the other? Um, it, it, it always comes back as, you know, well, you're not, you're not really being mindful of those who were born without a uterus. What are you saying? That she's not a woman? Are you saying, I'm not saying any of that. I am literally just speaking about the connection of the womb to the woman that is not the same thing as saying what someone is not or does not or anything because i know women who've had hysterectomies that still feel like almost as if there's still a, a womb there they talk about fan, almost like people say a phantom limb when it's been amputated there are women i know they say i still feel things and i'm like what am i feeling my womb is gone. Why am I feeling these things? So, um, you know, my personal, my personal thought is that, you know, if we really care about the womb, then we should start way before we want a baby. Okay, I lived, I traveled. I've been around the world. Now I want a baby. I've done everything I wanted to do. Now I want a child, you know? They say that, you know, birth control does not affect uh, pregnancy. Yeah, I'm not here to refute that. I'm not a medical doctor. What I do know is that birth control is intended to prevent ovulation and or birth control is intended to, uh, to, to, to um, make the mucus in the cervix thicker so that the sperm cannot get there and or birth control is intended to prevent implantation of a fertilized egg. And in, a lot of them do it hormonally. So the hormones are like, oh, we're going to prevent this from happening. Uh, we're going to amp up this so that doesn't happen. Um, oh, we'll, we'll make it so the egg can't implant. We'll make it so you don't, um, you know, I don't believe you can do that for years and then be like shocked. Well, they said there was no side effects to this. I just think that we should think more, like use more of our intuition. How can you do that for years and years? But I can't say that it influences infertility or the need because medical profession does not say that it does. So whatever. <laughs> because we have to look at prior to birth control. What were they doing? Exactly. They knew how to, exactly. They knew they how had, to prevent yeah. pregnancy. There's a there's a <laughs> natural spacing. You know, even with and that doesn't mean that it can't happen, but even breastfeeding and all of that, there are still natural ways of spacing your children. I can tell you mm -hmm. my grandmother had well, she gave birth to ten children. And she nursed them Ooh. all. They're all, but they're all <laughs> a year and a half to two years apart. So how does she not get pregnant? Because she didn't, you know what I mean? And so you see that, you look at that and you'll see that in families where the, they're, they're two and a half years apart. I remember my gynecologist told me that two and a half years is the proper spacing for children. He never once tried to just put me on birth control or anything like that, but then I think we've had this discussion before. My doctor is also African. <laughs> uh huh. 
so yeah. so his so his whole mindset was completely different. And even though I had a C-section, it was not his first thing to do. It was he told me we had a conversation. He said, "C-sections make me itch." Mm. <laughs> and if I have to cut you, believe me, it will be a last resort. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of doctors who are telling their patients. That. Not at all. No. That's so, true. you know, but again, different mindset, you know, coming from a different upbringing, a different culture, different culture. and all of that, I think has a lot to do with it. So, you know, but we have bought into European ideas in ways. I mean, we've been made to hate our menstrual cycles. Exactly. And mm. because we hate them, we have this relationship with our wombs that's adversarial. And can, mm. and can I tell you that we just underestimate, I, mean, I, I was literally thinking about it, you know, when a woman is pregnant, all of a sudden she's like touching her belly. She's like, here, here, listen, touch, touch, right? <laughs> right. When you, you know, touch, feel that. Did you feel the kick? Did you feel the this? When do we spend time adoring our wounds outside of that time? We, I mean, literally, like, when do we, you know, you, girl, you know, we said, you know, the baby kicking and we're like, look at the video of the baby kicking and ooh, we'll, we'll push right there, push right there. But we don't spend most of our lives pregnant. You know, when do we, when do we show appreciation that as women, we have been giving as womb men, we've been given this ability to show evidence of our creativity. We have this evidence monthly, that's evidence of my creativity. Maybe it'll never be used for that, but there's evidence of it. And to think, you know, I was, I forgot what they technically call it, but I remember uh, some years ago I went somewhere and they were talking about how you speak to water and that, you know, <laughs> speak to you know, how water holds memory, right? Water mm. holds memory. And I remember when I really, in my mind, just accepted that, you know, us being 65, 70% water, just like we speak to our children and the way we speak to our children has an impact on who they are and is imprinting on them. When we are constantly talking about ourselves, you know, we always say, oh, speak life to yourself. Okay, fine. Speak life to yourself. Well, what about your womb? Mm. You know, what about that? What about like, you know, oh. Oh, yes. I have started doing that. I have started doing that. Thank you. Thank you for all that you get. Thank you. And, and touching and, and womb massage, womb, you know, massaging our own wombs. Most of the time, we don't think about it unless it's starting to hurt. It's like, oh, girl, I can't stand it. Give me some Motrin. <sighs> Give me a, a heating pad. But even with the heating pad, it's for us. It's not even like an energy of like, soothing or figuring out or, or, or anything we can hear someone say there's a tea that can assist you with that there's a tea that can help regulate things for you a tea i don't know if i trust that tea but let somebody tell you something that i can give you something to help you get rid of them cramps girl anything <laughs> anything you ain't lying you ain't lying anything yet. You know, but if they say, well, if you drink this nettle, this nettle, Steve, if you drink this like seven weeks or so, seven days or so before your cycle come, you know, when your cycle come, if they try to talk to you about this is how you do your womb, you know, this is how we care for our womb. This is how our mothers, ancient mothers care for our womb. They drunk certain teas every now and then. They did this. When people start, oh, that's too much. I just take it. I don't care. Take it. I ain't having no more kids. That's how we get to take it without thinking about everything. And then what about the side effects of the medication? Girl. Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen has absolutely been linked to a weakening of the heart and it leads to heart attacks. That's one of the You can look that up. Yes. As well as uh, ulcers. Right. That are that that don't heal as 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 well as like if you have this kind of ulcer. No, it literally eats at that lining of your stomach. Uh, these medications have side effects, and we would rather do that and care for ourselves in that way. And I'm not even sitting up here saying never take a this. No, that's not what I'm exactly. saying. Exactly. Okay. 
I'm saying our go-to first line of defense is pass me my medicine. Give me my, <laughs> give me, give me my. Yep. Girl. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, uh. but let someone, <laughs> let someone try to establish, like reestablish this relationship between you and your womb. Girl, what? You do that? <laughs> I do. I actually do. Or like, you know, let them try to talk to you about planning. Like you talked about before, Akilah, like let's plan. Um, let's plan. Uh, do you know when your cycle comes? Have you, you know, do you know? Okay. Well, this is how you can, what? So wait, so I got to count what? <laughs> hey, you know, that was my exact word. I said, <laughs> Hey, I got pregnant off that method because I wasn't doing right. <laughs> My second daughter came from that. You talking about the rhythm method? Is that what you're talking about? Girl, I, I, I screwed that all up. I ended up being pregnant off of that. You know, and then and asking a dumb question like, how did this happen? <laughs> and my mom was like, you know how that happened. So it's like, yeah, you're right. That is it's so foreign to us. The ancient ways are so foreign to us. And that's a they're remnants, but they're remnants. They're remnants around. And, 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 and that's what I think is so important is that they're remnants of it. Like Akilah talks about certain things. I'm like, you do that? You said it really? You what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's real. And I mean, even the counting, like I, people would laugh at me, but I'm like, I would kind of build my life in a way around my cycle. And because I counted, because I knew when, I mean, now it's not like clockwork anymore, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, like literally I would plan things based on when my cycle was going to come. If I knew my cycle was going to be here, then it's like certain things I'm not going to do work-wise because I know that I need to rest. And so like some of us look at it like, oh my God, it's such an inconvenience. And I mean, and I used to have horrible cramps and all of those things, but I also started to understand that in a way it is a rest period for you. It is. It, it's it's yeah. a time for you to say, okay, this happens to me. It's okay to be still. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay to be pampered. It's okay to do all of this stuff. And I'm good with that. And so I don't even... When people, because people try to tell you, girl, it's just your period. Okay. <laughs> it's not. You know what? That would have been, that would have been my words. Girl, get over it. <laughs> I mean, I've had people tell me that. Girl, please, that's just, huh. You, you got to keep on pushing. And that's what people don't understand. You know, how sacred. What about, is it the, is it a Bible story? I'm trying to remember the red tent. Yes. When the women would go in the tent when they were <laughs> ministrating. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's like. We and you know, you know, what's funny about that. I was mentioning that to somebody and they were saying, it's amazing how everything has, you know, even, even when we don't have to put it in a male dominated perspective, we will. And so the women like, ah, that was the man getting, it, it would say, uh, the, the passage would talk about, it would, I think it was talking about after birth or something, but either way, the, 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 the passages would always talk about unclean, unclean. Mm-hmm. And so there were so many women that could not get past the word unclean. They were like, I'm not looking at this. I'm not looking at this. Why is the woman unclean? I said, okay, see if you can kind of get past that for a minute to see that there was actually some type of, there was something that was done. I understand that that's, that's a bit of a throw off, but can you get past that? And many of them cannot. So the whole notion of resting, of being good to yourself, of, you know, giving yourself like a thank you period. It's like, oh, thank you. That was another opportunity. You know, we just don't, but okay. So then there's also this part of me that I deal with people on my timeline and there are all these conspiracy theories, you know, they're like, <laughs> I mean, th- okay, okay. I ain't trying to bring the conspiracy to y'all, but the, the royal empress. But um, <laughs> but but there are people that look and they say, "Wait a minute." So this surgery is so far out of most people's reach. Um, this is this is something that wealthy people could do, and not others. You know, um, at this junk. This is like 
I think almost a hundred thousand, some ridiculous number, thousands of dollars that no insurance company would pay for. So the women it's in trial form right now, but it would not be like um, a kidney transplant or something like that. This is totally elective and would totally be for the most elitist people. Now, whenever you start talking about stuff like that, then people start talking about conspiracies and they start saying, hmm, so only people who could afford to have this done would have it done. And then they start looking at all of the things that has, have historically been done uh, with eugenics, um, with, you know, uh, preserving one race of people and not another. And knowing already that, you know, black women are very unique, you know, even our breast milk looks different from other people's milk. So imagine just throwing out what I heard in, in the internet streets, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like imagine, <laughs> okay, imagine those who, and I'm not saying everyone feels entitled, but if you wanted this surgery, you'd have to be entitled. I want a baby and I don't just want a baby. I want to feel the baby inside of me. I mm. want a baby. Now, if they have black markets where they do this with other organs, you know, I actually know a sister who, after she had her baby, they gave her a hysterectomy. And she said, I never gave them consent. Never gave them consent. Never, she said, I never gave them consent. And they insisted that she did. She says, I never gave them consent. And that's something that, you know, every now and then she will post about her experience and how it's, you know, how that hurts her. And in my mind, is you know I, I don't think that um, if they do black market for other things if people find themselves in tubs filled with ice you know such and such I don't put it past so there's that too you know sometimes people they don't want you know necessarily that black baby but if that black womb can grow a baby yeah and honestly. And, <laughs> I was I was thinking about that in my mind. Oh, good. I was like, ooh, she no, she's gonna cut all of this out. Human trafficking. We talked about human trafficking. Exactly. And we find missing black women. All the and we time. find people missing and body organs missing. Exactly. From people. So it it certainly is something that we would think about. Or should think about. Yeah. Or, or should think about. Or even the people, when you say, like she said, I didn't consent. But how many women who are so willing to say, oh, yeah, honey, take it, take it, can be told if something is wrong with their womb. Exactly. Taken because you're so ready to get rid of it. You don't care. And now, now this, this womb that has been taken from you because you think you got it's useless, you got whatever, or it's useless. And man, I don't have to have a cycle anymore. And now your uterus is, is, is where? Where is it going? Where is it? And so I think it is definitely something, something to consider. If there is nothing medically wrong with you, mm-hmm. no cancer, no anything like that, why would you be so willing? To give up an organ. To give up an organ. A healthy organ. A healthy organ. And that's, that's a real thing. You know, there are all kinds of complications that come from just the thought of. There, it's not good medical practice to say i'm going to give up this healthy organ well why do you want to get rid of your gallbladder uh you know well why do you want to get rid of your spleen because you know i'm just thinking you know that's that's not generally how things are done and it's also important to remember fertility rates um particularly um are dropping uh currently among uh european uh, people here, white Americans here, they are not having babies enough to replace themselves. Okay, they're not able, they're not replacing themselves right now, um, and so when you start talking about the most affluent people, the people who would have most access and things like that, even though it's a small percentage, you know, the the wealthy wealthy are the smallest percentage. 
but you're still talking about people, the same people who wanted to deal with eugenics, who wanted to get rid of brown people all over the world, black and brown. They just, they just wanted to get around, rid of melanated people everywhere. I think it's a real thing to think about. Um, and I think it's something like you mentioned with, with black women and girls. And guess what else is amazing? This, the whole thought of the uterus, you know, you would think it would be young girls, menopausal women. <laughs> a woman in menopause has gone through menopause. Her uterus kicks. Let me tell you how amazing a woman's body is. <laughs> girl, I was like, wait a minute, what? Her uterus will kick back into gear. Just like a young one. Mm. Seriously. So you're menopausal. You haven't had a cycle. You haven't had a whatever. These, one of the first women that did it, I think in Sweden, the mother gave her uterus to her daughter because most of the time that's how it's been. Someone in the family would donate it. The mother gave the uterus to her daughter. That baby kicked back in, started ministrating and everything. Mm -hmm. But we Mm. think that those things, we think that the uterus don't girl. Mm. (laughs) It has never crossed my mind to do any of that. And I was, I, I remember when I was uh, ready to have my son, I kept thinking about all the women in my family that kept talking about having fibroids. And so then I started thinking, well, if there's a history of fibroids, maybe I'll get fibroids. So let me go ahead and have a baby. And I didn't have fibroids. And then a few years later, I ended up with fibroids. But then I started changing things. Talk about it. Like my diet and all of that. My fibroids have not grown. They do not bother me. None of that happened. In fact, I had an ultrasound and they couldn't even hardly find the fibroids. Akila, it sounds like you're telling me, talking about change my nutrition, like I can't eat what I want to eat and do what I want to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Y'all t- <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just, how come the same thing happened with me? Like people would say, mm. okay, dairy and, and this and that, and, you know, certain, you know, meats and, and things like that. If you curb this and curb that. And I have seen a change. Mm-hmm. And the amount and, and clotting caused by fibroids and all those things, right. a decrease in the amount of blood, it's that work. I think there's something about us as women and all of our effort to, and I, hate, I say our because of whatever, but there's a part of me still that, you know, if anything that's causing us or wanting us to like deny the womanhood part of it. Like, for example, I, I, I'm not talking about anybody that wears them thinks draws, but the thinks, like, you know what they are, right? Do you know that? Mm-mm. They're the ones, the, the period draws. Oh, the period panties. Okay. <laughs> the period panties. The period panties, where you don't have to yeah. even know you're bleeding. You don't have to put, you don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. You just bleed. And it, and it has thing and it soaks it up. Just soaks it up. I just think that we need to, there's something about forgetting being, you know, forgetting that I'm, you know, doing that I think is working against us. And I hope that we can begin to um, honor womanhood again, being a woman again. Absolutely. And then understand the chemicals that it, talk that about are it. in some of these pads and I'm sure in period panties, because if it's making you to feel like that, And so then what does that do to you? Maybe that helps you to have this adversarial relationship with your womb Mm. because you have these chemicals that, that that's next to you that is causing problems for you that maybe Mm -hmm. you don't have, but for that. And let's think about it with our parents. They didn't have those chemicals in their past. They actually had cotton. They had real cotton. You yep, know, they, they sure had did. rags that they put yes, they did. down there. So, I used rags when I went to my grandmother's house. Tell me about it. Okay. 
Okay, <laughs> Southern life. <laughs> yes, honey. Because they, it, it seems as if many of the problems that we have seem to have increased over time with all of these wonderful feminine products that have been made for us. And that's the same way, even with people, and I know a lot of people like to go out and buy all of these feminine products to make us smell a certain way. And mm. all that, when the reality is you're not even supposed to be putting soap mm -hmm. in certain areas. It's supposed to just be clean water. But we don't mm -hmm. know that because we, we, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to smell a certain way. You don't have to stink regardless. You know? Yep, that's true. But, but again, we have this idea. And because we are hiding, and, and, and really those, sometimes those odors will alert you to something being wrong. But if you're masking it, Woo. <laughs> then how do you then give your womb the proper attention that it needs? That's right. Because you don't know anything wrong with you because you're too busy trying to mask something that's warning you. So it, you know, it's just, it's, it's just interesting. It's just that we, we don't have the, the proper education. You know, we talk about having sex education in school and we talk about all of these things, but what are we really being taught about us and about our womb and about, I mean, it just makes no sense to me. And I just wanted to say one more thing when it comes to what are we really being taught? You know, once again, oh, the school, whether it's doing sex ed or not, they're not going to teach us the way historically African women and indigenous women taught their own daughters. We're not going to get that from anywhere else. We have to reclaim that understanding. We have to educate ourselves as moms, even as aunts. I mean, just as women, get that information back so that we can begin to educate ourselves if we are going based on what the system is telling us, I can tell us, tell you what that is. I remember teaching in high school. It is not something that is going to make young girls uh, safer necessarily in this regard. Mm. Wonderful knowledge. Wonderful knowledge. This brings us to our, cha our challenges, right, Sister Kayla? I'm ready, <laughs> I'm ready to challenge my uh, audience listeners. I'm ready to challenge my sisters. See, see. Dr. Dula, we have this aspect of our show where we like to challenge our sisters, and I'm about to start doing some challenging. Uh -oh. Like I always say, first and foremost, accept our own and be ourselves is always key. Number two, we need to get acquainted with our womb. Our womb is not our enemy. Yes. That's, our, that, that's us. That's our friend. That's our sister. That is us. We need to reconnect with our womb. Y'all better holler at Ketnu Nefer over at A Soulful Touch yes. Wellness. I'm telling you, yes. I, I have just got acquainted with my womb. <laughs> I did a womb meditation session with my sister. I want to holler at you, Sister Ketnu in D.C. <laughs> Wait, what, what's the website for Ketnu? Because I, I need to send some sisters to it. Uh, oh, uh, a Soulful Wellness. This is there you go, soulfultouch.net, right? A soulfultouch.com. A soulfultouch.com. Okay. Y'all need to check that out because it's, it's imperative that, sisters, we need to get acquainted with our womb. We need to talk to our womb. As you said, Dr. Dula, we need to do a womb massage. We need, to, we need to have a conversation with our womb to figure out what our womb is trying to tell us. What's wrong with our womb? We need to get acquainted. Yeah. The next thing we need to do is we need to shut out the influence of the medical field. Stop allowing them to influence our thinking and influence the tr influence how we treat our bodies. Just yes. because there's this movement to get rid of our uterus, don't just hop on that that bandwagon just because it's a it's the new thing. It's a movement. Sit back and think about: Do I really need? Do I really have any problems? And if I'm getting rid of my womb my uterus just because i want to help a family member have a baby maybe i should consider having that baby that's mm -hmm. something to consider so what well, another the last challenge is let's pass this knowledge down to our young daughters our young sisters we have to get them on the right path we cannot allow them to continue to make these mistakes that we have made and the mistakes that we are making as we are accepting our own and being ourselves 
and, and going back to our ancient practices, we need to steer our young daughters and our young sisters that way as well. As we yeah. heal, they heal. Exactly. That are my challenges for today. Um, any last words, sisters? Keila, you got a last word? <laughs> the floor to Dr. Doola. Oh Dr. Doola, you got a last word for us, Dr. Doola. Well, let me take my text. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, first of all, thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure and a wonderful time. And if I could just encourage women with anything, uh, just remember, you know, the whole discussion about wounds and um, your uterus and your, your body and all of those things. You know, nowadays, Western culture says that belongs to a midwife, that belongs to a doula. You don't discuss that. But that is not what happened 50, 60 years ago with our grandmothers and great-grandmothers before they integrated us into their system where we had to assimilate into the way they did things, we had to know for ourselves. And that knowledge that they hold off now as being so far from us is not far from us at all. There are still remnants. And if we reach for it, that information will come back to us and we can begin to regulate ourselves again and to heal ourselves again and save ourselves and recognize how important this womb is, how much of a blessing it is to be a womb man. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. If there's, if, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how could they contact you? What's your contact information, sis? DrDoula.com. D-R-D-O-U-L-A.com. <laughs> Um, and you can contact me there and also see the things that um, I offer to help us reclaim our birthright as women of African descent in this country. So drdula.com, you can contact me there. Mm, okay. Y'all, hey, y'all better contact Dr. Dula. I'm telling you, <laughs> if you enjoyed our show, contact Dr. Dula. And as always, we want to thank you for sharing a moment, listening to our podcast, and tuning in to Conversations with the Royal Empress. Have a good evening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.